Hi guys, I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And this is going to be Unsettling. Deeply. upstairs bedroom the reading room the reading room i don't read up here it's a very whoa whoa it's a very comfy chair though it is a great chair we are both struggling today so. i'm not <laughs> not the same way <laughs> i don't it's just oh god um i live in a little a very little town in the middle of the pine barrens and we call ourselves pineys in like an endearing way and it's like a piney is like a redneck mixed with what, like a mythical woodland, not like a cute woodland creature, just like a creature. Yeah, maybe a possum. Yeah, yeah, like a possum with a mouth, like that speaks, is mm-hmm. what a piney is. And yeah. uh, so every year my town does this thing. It's a tiny town. We live on a lake. It's They call it a water carnival. People decorate their canoes and they float them down the lake in a parade like that. Like it's a parade. And um, then there's fireworks. So every year we have our Piney Parade party, which was last night, which was fine. But, you know, then I woke up this morning just regretting every decision I've ever made because I'm like 33 and I just can't hang anymore. It got out of hand. And my dad was there, which, you know, my mom and dad always have like an open invitation to any party I have. Like, so do you. Like, you just show. I don't care. You don't have to be invited. Just show up. You know where I live. So my dad came. My mom was at a concert yesterday, which is surprising because she's not like a concert girly, but she went. And so my dad came and he gets there and I see him pull in the driveway and his and it's you need to picture this in your head. He has a gold Toyota 4Runner that has a cooler rack on the hitch mount of the back of the truck. Of course. Which is supposed to be used for the cooler when we go on the beach. So my dad shows up all the windows down, blasting Leonard Skinner, pulling (laughs) down my driveway with this hat on that looks like the American flag. It's like a cowboy hat, American flag hat. I think you've seen it before. Yeah. His cut-off t-shirt, like, there's no sleeves on it anymore. We don't know where they went. And on the back of his car is not a cooler, but the world's biggest fan. I've never seen a fan <laughs> this big. Like, it was almost as tall as me. And like it was a, a like, box fan? A box fan. Yeah. But it was made out of literal wood. Okay. And it was almost as tall as me and then the same way wide so this thing's huge and i said dad what dad what the fuck is that he's like it's the world's biggest fan i'm like fair what is it doing here he's like well it's hot out i'm like okay but like this thing is so unsafe it's like a boat propeller on a pulley but how is it gonna run so it's a it's there's a little motor in the corner that's run on a pulley that's making this propeller spin in this wooden box no so i'm like dad there's like kids running around and (laughs) and drunk people this thing is gonna chop somebody up he's like oh we'll put a dog cage in front of it that was his solution that and that's what we did yeah so it worked we plugged it in and let me tell you world's biggest fan really moves some air (laughs) So then he's like, oh, shit, I forgot to get cigarettes. Puts the world's biggest fan in the middle of my driveway. 
So now I have to move it because people can't get in or out. He's like, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get cigarettes. Comes back. I'm not even exaggerating. Six minutes later with a five tier shelf system where the fan just was. I said, Dad, where'd you get these shelves? They're metal shelves. I said, Dad, he went to get cigarettes. My town's not that big. He's like, oh, I saw him on the side of the street. Thought you, thought you could use some shelves. Like, you could always use shelves, Dad, but what the fuck? <laughs> so, just, but it was Piney Parade. It was great. It's the best people watching. You You have to come one year. I do. It's like, you've never seen people watching quite like this. It sounds it's, like, it sounds um, like it's, a treasure. It's, it's a real gem. A treat. It's a real treat. Then my friend lost his vape and we were looking for it. Someone flipped the quad. I, oh. That's what I wanted to ask you. Okay, I'm going to tell you my margarita um, recipe, and you can tell me how wrong it is from a bartender perspective, okay? Okay. It's a frozen margarita, so keep that in mind. I do, if I'm making two drinks, I will do one shot of tequila, one shot of triple sec, and the juice of an entire lime. Okay. And then I put that in with ice, blend it up, and that is my margarita. That sounds, yeah. I mean, you also need, like, you know, sour mix or lemonade or... Like a little water, you know? Yeah, there was no water. There was nothing that watered it down. You need something else. They were apparently really strong. I got everybody. Yeah, because there's nothing else in it. No, it was just straight liquor. And it was cold, so people... And it was hot outside. These were frozen margaritas, so people are down in these things. And all of a sudden, people I've never seen drunk before just, like, shit-faced. Luckily, no one drove, but, like, I just... And then I made pina coladas. You want to hear my pina colada? I'm not sure. It, it's a travesty, honestly. So I had coconut rum in the freezer, which apparently you can't freeze. No. Because it freezes. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm like violently shaking this thing, trying to get the rum out. And what else? So it was, I didn't even measure this one because that, by this point, the night measuring was not something I was capable of. <laughs> so I violently shook out some amount of coconut rum. Then I added some dark rum because I wasn't sure there was enough rum because okay. I couldn't get it all out of the bottle. It was frozen. And then I added half a can of cream of coconut because I have that. Yeah. And then it said that I, like the internet said, I needed pineapple juice. Well, I don't have that. So I'm going to put Sprite in there. This sounds fucking terrible. They drank two pitchers of this shit. Oh, Like my God. it was water. I couldn't make them fast enough. I mean, it was probably good, but it's not a pina colada. I don't know what it was. There's no pina in that colada. That's the pineapple. It Holy was just shit. A it's colada. just colada. Yeah. It's Sprite Alada. Yeah. So I didn't even think about that. The pina of the colada. I Maybe did put cherries in it. Okay. I had those. <laughs> it's going the, further south. It it was the like I'm not a bartender, but Jimmy Buffett's little margarita maker, he can he can fuck some shit up. He can up. pump them out. <sighs> so, yeah. And that's um, why he's, like, the richest man in the world, Jimmy yeah. Buffett. Because of that margarita maker. It it really is very cool. It is cool. Yeah. I, like, it did the job. It clearly. People were, like, passed out. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't realize the responsibility of being a bartender. My bad. Yeah. My it's, it's, B, friend. Heavy burden. Mm-hmm. All right. Are we ready to go into... Yeah. Stuff? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, I'm going to start. <laughs> I'm going to start. Okay. Gentlemen, start your engines. So, on December 5th, 1872, sailors aboard the Day Gracia, I'm going to say that. That's what I'm going with. Oh, right. I like Some, it. <laughs> stumbled upon something really unusual in the middle of the ocean. 
So they were 400 miles away from the, another thing I'm going to butcher, the Azores, Azores, Azores. It's, um, it's like an archipelago that belongs to Portugal. Archipelago? Like a group of islands. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was a word. So I never even heard of this place. Okay. So no. I guess it, it's there. So there's islands off of Portugal. It's pretty far off. I looked at a map and I was like, this is not close. It's like Hawaii to California but far? Portugal, oh, yeah. That's maybe, weird. Not Maybe not that far, but pretty, pretty far. That's weird. So they're in this area in the Atlantic. And so the sailors on the on the boat saw something that caught their eye. Mm -hmm. So there was something like bobbing over there and it was a ship and it was just kind of like moving around weird. Okay. And the sails were offset. So they're like, okay, we should probably check this out. And they sent out signals, which they never responded to. Also, I don't know what the signal would be like in 1872, but it was not responded to like a flare. I don't, I don't know if it was a flare or I'm, I'm not sure. So the captain of this boat was David Morehouse, and he was surprised to come across a ship, and there was nobody on the ship in the middle of the ocean. That's where they... It was not anchored. Oh. Just bobbing. Just... Just... That's weird. Did it, like, get away from... Well... It's dock? We're gonna see. Oh. So there was nobody on the ship whatsoever, and that explained why nobody was responding to the signals, yeah. why it was bobbing along. It's just ex- explained things. So that ship was called the Mary Celeste, which was built in Nova Scotia in 1861. So it was originally under British ownership. Okay. And it first set sail to Nova Scotia from Spencer's Island, and it was getting its first load of timber in June of 1861. Okay. Her first captain was Captain Robert McClellan. Okay. And he supervised the loading of the ship. And because it's like a, I don't know if that's the, he he did that. But then he fell ill. So the ship went back to Spencer's Island. And then the the captain ended up passing away. Oh, no. So that's like the first experience the ship ever really had. (laughs) That was when you realize you don't have pineapple juice, you should stop making pina coladas. Yes. So she was later transferred to American ownership by 1868. She had sailed with no issues except for the first sail. So up until that time, nothing nothing bad until okay. she was found abandoned in 1872. So when the Day Gracia crew rerouted to assist the Mary Celeste, they found no one on the ship, but they found the last entry of the vessel's um, log. So they had like a ship log. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was dated as November 25th at 5 a.m., and the log will position the ship 400 nautical miles away from where it was discovered by the Tegracia. Hmm. So it had drifted quite a ways by the time it was found. Yeah. And the ship had set sail on November 7th. So what happened between... <laughs> yeah, because that's not that much. What's that, like 13 days or something? Yeah, so it set sail on November 7th. The last log update was November 25th. So what what's going on, right? She was headed for Genoa from New York City with a cargo full of alcohol, which was untouched. So it was still on the boat. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. And the boat was described as, like, disheveled, but it was seaworthy. There was some water in there as well, but not, um, not, obviously it was still floating along for however long. I mean, if it rains and there's not someone to take care of the rain, you would assume that. 
Yeah, and it was just taking in some water, I think, at that point. Because now it's December 5th when they discovered it. Mm -hmm. And it originally set sail November 7th, and the last log was November 25th. Okay. So from November 25th, we have to assume it was floating about until December 5th. Yeah. With nobody on it. And you don't even know what kind of seas it went through either. Yeah. So it drifted quite a ways, like I said. And... There also had all of the crew's belongings were still there hmm. and a food supply and water that would have lasted for another six months, all still there. Oh. And the only things that were disturbed were the ship's charts and the vessel's single lifeboat was missing and a pump from the ship was found disassembled. Hmm. So the De Gracia crew towed the ship back with them to Gibraltar and they have like a salvage hearing to because if you find a ship like that, you have a salvage hearing. Is it like you finders keepers? Kind of. Hmm. So in that hearing, you decide if the crew members were entitled to payment for the discovery of the lost vessel and its cargo. Okay. If it's not claimed, basically. Okay. So according to maritime law at the time, the more danger involved in salvaging a ship meant a larger payout. Makes sense. So their progress was slow to get the two ships back with just one crew. And the seas weren't great or anything, so it wasn't the safest journey. And with the odd circumstances surrounding the event, the attorney general, and he was the one to make the decisions um, about the salvage hearings. Mm-hmm. His name was Frederick Solly. Frederick Solly Flood. Sally Flood. Yes. So he thought an investigation should be in place before giving up any salvage money, because what, what's going on? <laughs> like, they don't know if, if they... I'll go into it. Yeah. They considered there could be a mutiny within the Mary Celeste crew. Okay. Or that the De Gracia crew could have pirated the ship just to get the salvage cash. And then just killed everybody on board and threw them over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In theory, right? So, the and like the... Insurance on that boat was unusually high, apparently, too. Really? Yeah, so kind of like a weird little detail. That is. And the investigation lasted for three months, and the courts weren't able to prove that there was foul play. Hmm. Although there were some strange things discovered initially. So there were cuts on the side of the boat that were thought to be caused by a sharp object. And the captain's sword and rails alongside the boat also appeared to have traces of blood. Hmm. But that theory was thrown out after they analyzed it, and it was not blood. Oh. So there's nothing, really, except those cuts on it. But it floated around for 400 miles, so it could have bunked into something. Yeah, sure. And the De Gracious crew members were eventually paid, but only a sixth of what the boat was insured for, which was $46,000 at the time. That's what it was insured for? That was the sixth of... So they got a sixth of the $46,000 split between the whole crew. Not that much. But no. I mean, it's 200 years ago. So who knows? Yeah, it it might have been a lot. So a lot of theories would obviously follow the Mary Celeste's unusual mystery, right? Yeah. It was the 1800s, so of course they were like, it was a sea monster, a giant squid. Oh, yeah. But those were disproving because the ship was intact, right? You would think if a sea monster came up, they wouldn't really give a fuck about It would the just, ship. like, whack it in the middle and the whole thing would sink. You would think, I don't know how, maybe they're more gentle than we think. They just, the people off the boat. Yeah, that's, they just pluck them off. <laughs> so the full cargo and limited damage to the ship would also lead investigators to shy away from the pirating theory as well. Okay. And another thing was that the crew had drank some of the alcohol and mutinied, but they interviewed descendants of the crew, and 
they didn't think that held up for the crew. Like, and they weren't people to kind of steal the alcohol and host a, a mutiny. Like a, a bang-up party. Yeah, they were all kind of like stand-up people, right? And then the, what would the thought be? That they got in the lifeboat, they killed the captain, got in the lifeboat, and then the lifeboat sank? I, I guess. Because they didn't turn up, so. They never turned up, any of them. So, some people thought that alcohol vapors could have expanded when they were in the hot climate of the Azores. Mm-hmm. So, that could have made the crew think the ship was about to explode, so they abandoned ship. Interesting. But the De Gracia crew did not smell any fumes when they got on there. Hmm. So, I don't know if you would or not, but that was written in the articles I read. Well, I think that's probably, like, a day-by-day thing, right? Like, I guess. I it, don't know. It's like if you roll your windows down... It's there for a minute, then it's not. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, while just nine of the 1,701 barrels of alcohol were missing, it was more likely they just leaked out. Okay. The nine empty barrels were made of a different kind of wood, which was more porous and likely to have leaked. Oh, and the barrels was still there. Yeah. Everything was still there, except those nine were empty, but they think it just leaked out. Yeah. And that the crew didn't drink it. So the captain of the Mary Celeste was also a seemingly normal guy with no reason to cause any mischief or really, like, abandoned his whole life for no reason. Okay. His name was Captain Briggs, and he left behind his seven-year-old son so he could Mm -hmm. go to school. Yes, sad. And Briggs had a good reputation and really, like, knew what he was doing when it came to his career in boating. Okay. And it was a good career at the time also. Yeah. And his wife and infant daughter were also on the ship before it was found. Oh. And scientists had used the captain's log to determine where the Mary Celeste could have been abandoned by the crew to see if it could have sailed on its own to where it was discovered by the De Gracia. Okay. Because some people were hesitant to think that it could get so far on its own. But it was determined the vessel could have, in fact, sailed there where it was picked up. Okay. Even though it was, like, 400 nautical miles away. And, like, they charted it. Because they have information on sea conditions going, like, all the way back to this time. Like, even earlier. Wild. Yeah, for, like, every day, I guess. There's Hmm. a database for it, which I thought was interesting in itself, really. Yeah, that's probably somebody... It was probably somebody's, like, job to write it in a journal. Yeah, like, that's why they have the logs, too, maybe. So there was no way Captain Briggs would order a ship abandonment or anywhere near where the Mary Celeste was found because okay. it's so far away from land. And could he have made the order to abandon ship when they were closer to land, though? Hmm. You know, it's possible. So Captain Briggs could have been as far as 120 miles away from where he thought he was on the day of his last log entry when an oceanographer named Phil Richardson used ocean conditions at the time and notes from the captain's logbook. But the log itself was lost around 1885, unfortunately, but there's notes on it. Okay. So he used that, and he thought, okay, so the captain was off course, according to everything. Okay. And he wasn't where he thought he was. Okay. And the ship's chronometer, which is an instrument used for, like, orientation, was also broken. The circle thing, right? That's this thing? I'm not sure. Sounds good. I, I think it is the... It's like the circle thing that tells you where north is, and then... Oh, I'm Googling. Yeah, so that was off, apparently. So that could have been the reason the ship was off course in the first place. So Richardson and a documentarian have been working together to piece together the mystery of the Mary Celeste to hopefully put it to bed. So 
the pair found that the Captain Briggs had changed his course a day before he reached the Exor's significant. So he changed his course right before he got to this set of islands. So was he seeking refuge? We don't know. Okay. And the night before the last entry was written was a day of rough seas as well. So they also found out the ship used to be used to be used to carry coal. So that could have led to debris being stuck in the pump that was found disassembled. Okay. So the faulty pump in theory could have caused confusion as to how much seawater was in the ship's hull. They couldn't get a visual on it. So that might have forced Captain Briggs to tell them to abandon ship because he thought it might sink. Okay. So, the Mary Celeste went under new ownership after the salvage hearings were final, and the captain of the vessel, the new captain of the vessel, ended up dying a premature death after bringing the ship to the island of St. Helena for medical care. Really? So, that's like the third captain of this ship that would assume perish, so two of them definitely, one of them probably. I'm just amazed that someone was like, you know what, let's buy this boat and let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah, right? So in 1885, her new captain deliberately wrecked the ship off the coast of Haiti in an attempted insurance fraud. Wow. And the wreckage is still there. Yeah? Yeah. That's cool. So I got this from a a Smithsonian article. Um, Hold on, I just want to find the author again. It is that circle-y thing, by the way. So the documentarian was Anne McGregor, and the oceanographer was Phil Richardson, and they were trying to figure out the mystery together. Okay. So that's what I got most of my information from that in Wikipedia. And yeah, we don't don't know what happened to the ship still. That's cool. I mean, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. The ocean is just... It's too much sometimes. I don't don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it. It needs respect. It does need respect. So that's the ghost ship. Spooky. Yep. Have you ever seen that movie, Ghost Ship? Is no. it? Is that what it's called? I don't know. I've never seen it. You've never seen it, so why would you even know what it's called? I don't know. I think it's called Ghost Ship. It's scary. Yeah? Yeah. Don't don't watch it. Oh, I won't. But I hope you... <laughs> I definitely won't. I hope you enjoyed that, though. Well, thank you. Something a little different. I did, you know? Okay. Me and the ocean, we don't, we don't really see eye to eye. We don't so. jive. No. All right. Thank you. Go make yourself a pina colada. With pina. With pina, not a sprite a lot of. Bye. Bye.